What a great song that is. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, We have been spending quite a few weeks here talking about uh, different people that God took and enlarged their coast is the theme of our our, uh, our kind of our service this year. And and, uh, God has enlarged different men and women's coast. Uh, We call this chapter in Hebrews the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame. Uh, We have people, uh, great people of faith here, and uh, so we'll refer to the word faith a lot. Uh, What that simply means is, uh, or the at least the different uh, uh, the 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 definition that we put it on this series is a belief inspired obedience. That's what faith is. We believe God. We do what He says. And so, as we uh, refer to the word faith throughout the message, that's what we're talking about. Faith guided Moses and the most important choices of his life. Moses made uh, these choices when he was, uh, in our text we'll meet in a minute, when he was come to years. The Bible tells us in Acts uh, chapter 7, verse 23, when he was full 40 years old, he made uh, these important choices in his life. Now, had Moses not made the decision that he made at age 40, we'd have probably never heard of him. Uh, those uh, That set him on the course of his life uh, to do the great things that he did. As a result, Moses is one of the great heroes of the faith. Now, our choices are so important in our life. Uh, so many times, even daily, uh, we make so many little choices. We might think they might not mean much, but even little choices can make a big difference in the long term. Uh, I like to use sometimes object lessons, and today I brought with me a gun. And I want to show you. Uh, it's not real. I'll just tell you that right off the top. I know it's hard to tell when you look at it. Uh, but yesterday, I had to go into the toy box of my son uh, to get this. Tim, if you're wondering which one. So uh, yesterday, I went uh, sighted in my deer rifle. And uh, Brother Craig helped me out with that. I appreciate that. And one of the things I learned about aiming, especially with handguns, is that if you uh, when you're lining up the sight and you're aiming, you have to hold your, you have to hold it very carefully, hold it very still. And the slightest, slightest movement here makes a big difference out there. So you just a fraction of a, you can just be off a millimeter here and it means inches down there. Well, that's how it is kind of in our life. Because we make little decisions right now, and they might not mean much to us right now, but a little decision right now can make a big impact down the range, down the line. How important it is that we make our choices by faith. Choices that honor God can bring us a satisfying life instead of a squandered life, depending on what we do for Him. Let's read our text, Hebrews 11. We're in verse number 23. Uh, The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. I want to preach today for a few minutes on pleasure or pleasure. Pleasure or pleasure. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us A few minutes together in your word, may you speak to us in a special way, convict where you need to, help us to respond in Jesus' name, amen. The word pleasure 
means a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. This focus on pleasure has completely permeated our culture. We are a pleasure-crazed people. Uh, we've all grown up with it, from Disneyland as a child to theme parks as a teenager to cruises as adults. We're wired to inundate our lives with pleasure. You take uh, even something as simple as medication. Uh, medic <coughs> we're, as a society, committed to avoiding pain and pursuing pleasure. These two things kind of go hand in hand. And so medication is what many people take to avoid pain. Nothing wrong with that. But in some cases, uh, people misuse the medication, and it takes uh, a step across that line into addiction, and that's when it becomes to pursuing pleasure. We seek pleasure in all kinds of things, whether it be sports, entertainment, illicit relationships, uh, whatever the case might be. Some people even turn to religion to find uh, their pleasure there. Sadly, today, many of our churches have become more like theaters, our worship uh, more like a concert, and our pastors more like motivational speakers. There's a, it seems that the American version of Christianity has just become another path to the pursuit of pleasure. So now, is there anything then inherently wrong with pleasure? Well, there isn't anything wrong with pleasure. Some people look at the Bible as God's way to make you miserable. I mean, you remember that when you're a chi that's what parents were for. They were there specifically to make your life miserable. And that's what God's there for. That's what the Bible's there. He's there to keep us from having any fun, to rob you of any pleasure. In fact, some people look at God as some cruel, uh, grumpy taskmaster. He's opposed to all fun. He's a solemn God, nothing but rules, 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 and no fun, no fun. But that's not an accurate picture of God at all. The truth is God created us with the ability to, do, to enjoy life and to enjoy its pleasures. Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but the uh, broken spirit drieth the bones. Hey, God is not opposed to pleasure. God's design of the human body tells us this. I, our taste buds and all our other senses uh, and our organs are proof that God is not opposed to pleasure. Why does food taste so good? <laughs> right? Why does, why do flowers smell so pleasing? Why can you look at a mountain range and just uh, be awestruck with the sight that lies before you? Why do we enjoy back massages? Well, because God wanted it that way. He gave us the ability to enjoy pleasure. What He is opposed to is sinning to get that pleasure. Because we can take what he has given us and go outside the lines of it and then we still are pursuing pleasure, but when it becomes sin, it changes the whole picture and that's what we want to look at today. Sin is when we step outside the boundaries of what God has planned for us. Let me give you just a couple of examples. First of all, food. Food is a good thing, amen? We as Baptists, we don't drink, smoke, chew, none of those things, and so we eat. Amen. That's why there's a lot of uh, uh, healthy Baptists, let's say. Genesis 1.29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. Food is a great pleasure that we are all able to take part in. However, I think you'll agree along with me that if we aren't careful, food can also become a problem. I love 
Hershey's bars with almonds. They say almonds are good for you. There's no better way to eat almonds than enveloped in Hershey's chocolate. Amen? It's a great way to get your uh, health kick there. Uh, I, I have a, a, wanted to have a good friend here. He's a deacon in our church. Gives me one of these every week. And that's, a, that's what makes a good deacon. Amen? Somebody gives you a Hershey bar every week. But if I sit down and eat 10 of these in that many minutes, or 20 in that many minutes, it's going to be a problem, isn't it? Uh, too much of, or outside the line of what's good. I love bacon. Amen? Oh, bacon. Next time you fry bacon, you listen carefully, and you'll find that even the frying sound of it sounds like applause. <laughs> the fry, bacon's wonderful. I say this in all love, and I don't have anything against anybody, but either you love bacon or you're a weirdo. That's all I have to say about it today. My favorite sandwich is a BLT. We have B for bacon, L for a little more bacon, and T for topped with bacon. I like bacon because it's wonderful. You like leftover bacon? That's a trick question. There's no such thing as leftover bacon. When have you ever had leftover bacon? But typically, we eat two slices. Sometimes you go to restaurants who give you four slices, and, uh, but we limit it. Why? Because we know that eating two pounds of bacon wouldn't be good for us, even though it's a good thing. I'm simply saying today, God's created many things for us to enjoy, but unrestricted, those things can become very destructive. Let me give you another example. Physical intimacy within the bounds of marriage is a pleasure that God has given us. He, he, it is from God, not Satan. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a, it's a positive thing. It's good for what it was intended for. However, sex outside of marriage is destructive. It ruins lives. It is, brings about unplanned pregnancies, diseases, increased abortions, and ruined lives and broken hearts. I'm simply saying the Bible does not teach against pleasure. The Bible teaches against sin. And when we go for pleasure within, uh, and we sin to do it, that's when it becomes a problem. Now, this is, in our example today, uh, the choice that Moses faced. There are two options, and they're very clear. The Bible says he refused option A, which was to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He opted for option B, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God. Ha ha! You say, preacher, I knew it. That's what our choices are. We get to in the either go after the world's pleasure, which is drinking and partying and fun and, and all those things, or we can be a Christian and be bored, suffering, long faces, hardship, drudgery of holiness. But wait, that's not what Moses had his eyes on here. Look again. He's rejected all the treasures in Egypt. The Bible says, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, there it is. That was the real choice on the other side of the coin. You have uh, the eternal reward and pleasure that would not have all the nasty side effects of sin. So Moses' choice was then pleasure or pleasure. That was his two choices. You had the pleasure of the world, or the reward, the pleasure of what God had to offer. It would do us well if we were to differentiate today between these two types of pleasure that Moses was faced with. You see, we live in a fallen world. Think about all the pleasures of the world that are in front of us. If you are honest with yourself today, I think none of us would argue the fact that the 
pleasures of the world are not beneficial for us if you consider the long-term effects of it. Uh, What feels good in the moment is not necessarily good for our long-term future. What pleasures are we talking about? I'll let the Bible name them this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible says, For the time past of our life may suffice us that have wrought the will of God to the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Let's break those down very quickly. Uh, the word for lasciviousness means indecency, cruel behavior, a lack of restraint. Uh, we're talking here about shameless conduct. The emphasis is on sensuality or that which defies public decency. And then he says lusts, and this is talking about a strong desire of any kind. Uh, obviously, Paul, Peter here has uh, in, in mind and uh, context here that uh, is evil desires. Uh, This is the seeking of sensual pleasures, uh, pornography, one-night stands, illicit relationships. And then he talks about the excess of wine. This comes from a composite two-part word. It means wine and bubbling over. The idea is lots of it, uh, drunkenness and debauchery here. Then he says revelings. This word is literally translated to mean carousals. Uh, this uh, We're talking here about uh, abandoning all restraint here, giving over ourselves to ecstasy and excess. That's what the world does today. This is when you wake up the next morning, you don't even remember what you did last night. That's what this idea is of revelings. The word for banqueting uh, suggests a drinking binge. The expression for abominable idolatries, uh, that suggests or implies illegal activities, uh, drugs, underage drinking, gambling, prostitution. Uh, What does it say about a society when even our secular government has to make laws against these things because people are so drawn to these types of pleasures? Let me tell you today, friend, all the pleasure of the world is short-lived and it'll leave a bad taste in your mouth the next morning. Pleasures of sin are destructive. This is the age that we're living in today, pleasure. This is the choice that Moses faced for his life. Will he choose the pleasure of the world, which is short-lived, and it has bitter consequences, or will he choose God's uh, pleasures that are long-term and eternal? By the way, that's the choices that you face this morning in your life as well. Uh, do you choose the pleasure of the world or you choose the pleasure of God, which are long-term? I think even a guy that went into the Navy would know that long-term is better than short-term, don't you? Uh, look at verse number 24 in Hebrews 11. We see the choice, Moses' choice of creed. By faith, Moses. Moses had been adopted the, 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 by Pharaoh's daughter. We kind of read that story a little bit last week, talked about Moses' parents. Uh, He had been raised in an ungodly, heathen place for all but the first few years of his life. In Acts chapter 7, verse 22, we learn that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. This education would would, uh, oppose everything that he had been taught at home about God because it was a worldly education. Yet by the time he was 40... Moses chose a creed of faith in Jehovah God rather than the Egyptians' false gods. It is possible to live for God in the midst of wickedness. It is possible to be a Christian amongst non-Christians. Moses was. Faith does not need favorable outward circumstances to be successful. 
Faith just needs to grab on and believe and hold on to the word of God. Moses was surrounded by heathens. He had at his disposable all the benefits of royalty, and yet he chose Jehovah God over his royal pleasures. This is a testimony of a good home because you'll remember Moses was raised just in the first few years of his life by his mother, maybe to age two or three, and yet uh, they instilled these values into him. It left in him an imprint that the world could not take away. Boy, as a parent, doesn't that sound good? That you might be able to invest in your child, raise your child, pray over your child, and leave an imprint on them that all the evil of the world can't pull out of them. That's a blessing. Number two, we see his choice of calling. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. <coughs> Moses chose a calling. And it was an unexpected one. His calling here is a calling that involved him rejecting his royal status in Egypt. It involved him uh, choosing to be recognized as a member of God's people. Can I remind you that God's people were slaves? So Moses is saying, I reject the palace and I'll take slavery in effect. My goodness. Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, the choice here was not the rash impulse of youth. That's when we make really dumb decisions when we're young, like the decision to wear skinny jeans. Have you ever seen anything more ridiculous than that? It was the responsible choice made by educated man with some success under his hat. He, according to Acts chapter 7 again, he refused, the Bible said, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The choice of calling began with a negative and then a positive. It went from saying what he would not do to saying what he would do. He would not continue on as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. He would forego all his great wealth, all his training, all his future, all his luxurious living and all that he had. He would refuse to be called the, uh, daughter, or the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And to refuse that, by the way, is to also refuse high worldly position. Many people think that it's very possible Moses was in line to be the next Pharaoh because Pharaoh's daughter, according to history, did not have any other sons. Pharaoh did not have any other sons either. And so I don't know if that's true or not, but we do know that Moses sacrificed everything, everything to choose God. Now, how many men would do that? Offer them positions, they'll throw character to the winds to achieve them. Offer them prosperity, they'll sacrifice their principles to obtain it. Offer them power, they'll put their family on the back burner to go after it. But Moses refused the things of the world for the things of God. The faith of Moses, not the flesh of Moses, made that choice and dictated his calling. I ask you today, friend, what dictates your calling. What decides your choice? What is behind your decisions? Number three, look at his choice of comfort. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now, choosing to suffer is not common. Think about that. We generally choose the path of least pain. Amen? I do. One word for you there, epidural. We tend to choose the path of least pain. Now, men don't give birth, obviously, but we do get colds. 
And that's much the same thing when it comes to discomfort and pain. And so all of us understand what we would like to do to avoid uh, pain in our life. Taking an aspirin to reduce pain of a headache is not wrong. It's not wrong to try to reduce that pain. But Moses did not suffer a headache. Moses chose to suffer for the cause of righteousness. Now, choosing to suffer, although it's rare, is not unheard of. People will suffer for things that they think is worthy of the suffering. Women suffer the pain of childbirth to have a child. And some of them will do it over and over again because the pain of childbirth is worth having the child. Athletes will suffer much physical pain uh, to excel in their events. Soldiers will suffer pain to fight for their country. We will suffer if we figure it's worth suffering for, and therein lies the problem. We try to get people today to inconvenience themselves for the Lord, and we hear howls of, pro of uh, protest from it. The question is, and it all comes down to this, do we think God is worth it? Moses did. Moses determined in his heart, excuse me, that God was worth any suffering he would go through here on earth. And he rejected the pleasures of the world. Number four, his choice of crowd. Notice this, looking at uh, the Bible, choosing rather, verse 25, to suffer affliction with the people of God. Faith chooses the right associates. It goes after the right fellowship. Faith helped Moses choose God's people over the ungodly Egyptians. Why? Because Moses wanted to be identified with God's people. We reveal what kind of faith we have by the people whose company that we prefer. You'll show me your friends and I'll show you you. That's what I used to tell teenagers all the time. I might never have met them before, but show me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are because we tend to become our friends. God's people ought to want to be identified with God's people. Birds of a flat feather, they flock together. Our friends and associates, they can make us or they can break us. We need to choose our crowd with care. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Listen, when you find yourself in worldly places that is filled with worldly people, you ought to feel as out of place as a ham sandwich in a synagogue. You shouldn't fit in. You shouldn't want to fit in. I'm simply saying faith will fellowship with God's people. It'll want to do that. That's what Moses did. By faith, he chose God's people over the world's people. Number five, his choice of character. He said then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, may I tell you, as Moses knew, sin does have pleasure. There's pleasure in sin. If there were no pleasure in sin, why would people sin in the first place? Because it is destructive, amen, Mr. Chief of Police? Sin is destructive. Uh, there is, a, there is a, a great destruction there that people are even aware of and still they'll continue after it. And so there is pleasure in sin. Moses knew and understood that. However, he also was aware of something else and he added it at the end here. He didn't enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The truth of sin is 
that the season of pleasure in it is almost always much shorter than we think. We plan maybe to enjoy this for a long time and live this way a long way, and we find that the season is short. Sin can bring pleasure, but the pleasure will not last long. I'll tell you what will last long, though, the bitter results of that sin. The pleasure will last a very short season, and then come the consequences. Because you see, sin always requires a payment. I've said it before, sin's like a credit card. Credit cards are fun. Swipe and you get what you want. Immediate gratification. But guess what comes along about a month later? A bill. And you have to pay for it. That's the way sin is. You get to have immediate gratification, immediate pleasure, but there's always a bill coming. And one day you'll have to pay that bill. See, Moses was not spiritually short-sighted. He was able to see beyond the pleasures into the consequences. Let me ask you today, can you do that? Can you recognize that with your uh, when you look at this choice you have between the pleasures of the world and the pleasures of God? Can you look and see beyond the pleasures of sin and to the consequences? Let me tell you, friend, if people would do that, people would sin a whole lot less than they do if we could look beyond the pleasure and to the consequences. Faith improves your vision. Then see number six, his choice in Christ, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Faith caused Moses <coughs> to turn down a huge fortune. Listen, Egypt, royalty, is anything but poor. The treasures in Egypt were waiting for Moses. Even today, archaeologists dig up evidences of immense treasure that the Egyptian royalty possessed. Moses, though, refused to weigh himself down with all these, this treasure that essentially had a curse on it. Wealth is not condemned here. However, if, if the choice is wealth and Christ, then the choice must always be Christ because wealth will do you no eternal good. So he saw, again, beyond it. Moses chose Christ over the riches of Egypt. When he chose Christ, he chose reproach. Listen, friend, to follow Christ requires a commitment. Jesus said, if any man follow me, let him take up his cross. Daily, follow me. We have a, we have a, a, a deny himself came first, by the way. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. There is a denial. Uh, there is a commitment there. We have too many fair-weather Christians who serve God when everything's okay. They do right when it's easy. They go to church when it's convenient. They just do for God whatever or they give, uh, whatever they have left over. Hey, how sad is it when we treat God only to our leftovers? We wouldn't do that to our company. Let's not do it to God. And yet that's how some people are. No commitment. Throw in a little difficulty uh, into the mix and people will just quit on God. Let me encourage you today. Get, be like Moses. He said, I'll sacrifice everything. I'm following the Lord. I'm going to give it all to him. Have some commitment. It's one of my favorite sayings, the kamikaze pilot who flew 45 successful missions. He was involved. He was not committed. Think about that for just a little bit. Uh, how we are in need of people. When the going gets tough, they keep right on going. Now, why would Moses choose reproach? And here's our final point, number six, or seven. 
his choice of compensation. Look what it says. The Bible says, For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see, Moses' choice here came down to this. Pleasure or pleasure. And here is where Moses was smarter than your average Christian. Because he considered the longevity of each pleasure that was offered. That's a smart thing for us to do, isn't it? Moses just stopped, thought for a little bit, and then he considers the longevity of both of them. Here you have God, the, the rewards in heaven uh, that God gives, and then and, and not only in heaven, but here on earth. We know God blesses us for obedience here even so. And, and then here you have the, the treasures are the, of the earth, the pleasures of earth. And Moses looks at both of them, and he looks at the longevity. The thing with Egypt is, yes, it offered lots of pleasure, money, uh, position, power, wine, women, and song. It had everything that the man could want, but the longevity wasn't there. Moses said, that's going to run out in no time. Uh, that pleasure is short-lived. There's a season. It's temporary. Hebrews 9.27 says this, as it is appointed that a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. That means you have an appointment. I have an appointment for later this week. It's the dentist. I hate the dentist. I think the dentist was put here by Satan just to torment us. And I have to go to the dentist. I can, I might even break that appointment. I don't know. I can break that appointment. I can call and, and cancel it. I can't break Hebrews 9.27 appointment, neither can you. I don't know when it is. You don't know where your appointment is. God has set that appointment as it is appointed unto man wants to die. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for that appointment? So many of us live thinking that we have tomorrow to prepare. Oh, I'll do something about it tomorrow. And friend, it's not about what you can do anyway. We know the Bible tells Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's all you can earn. That's all you can earn. You can't earn heaven. You can't earn anything with your works but your own death, for the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What you can't earn, God gives because of the work of his son on the cross. One day we'll have to stand before a holy God. Then it will not matter how much pleasure you had down here. It won't matter how much treasure you have down here. There are no trailer hitches on hearses. All right, you leave everything when you go to that appointment. But then you have God's pleasures. This is what Moses was after. The rewards. Now, one thing about, as I mentioned, earthly pleasures, the rewards are immediate, but the consequences are forever. On heavenly treasures, God's treasures, the rewards are not immediate. Sometimes we labor for a long time before the reward comes, but they are eternal. As the wicked are hurt by the best things, so the godly are bettered by the worst sometimes. It helps us to grasp that, even professing Christians make terrible choices when it comes to physical and material rewards. We see this in the church movement today. You preach about spiritual rewards like you're doing this, like we're doing this morning here, uh, waiting uh, sometimes until heaven uh, for serving God. 
and how you serve God today, and he'll reward you in the future. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we preach about be not weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's a lot of yawns. You preach that. But you preach what's called the prosperity gospel, about physical rewards, about how you can benefit in your physical life, and people will flock to your church. The biggest church in America today preaches exactly that. Not about eternal rewards, but about temporary rewards. Now, the flesh likes that because the flesh cannot see heavenly rewards. It takes faith to see heavenly rewards. And so the flesh has no interest in them because the flesh's eyes cannot see beyond uh, the world. It cannot see like faith can see. Faith is different. It has better eyesight. It has better evaluation. Soren Kierkegaard is a Danish philosopher, and he told a story years ago about a town where only ducks live. Every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their homes. They waddle down the street to their church. They waddle into the sanctuary, and they waddle into their pews. The duck choir waddles into the choir loft. The duck minister comes and opens the duck Bible. And he starts to preach, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings, you can fly. With wings, you can mount up like eagles. Ducks, he says, with wings, you don't have to be confined by any walls. You can fly. You can soar high. God has given you wings. And he says, all the ducks shouted, Amen. And then they waddled back home. You know, too many Christians live their lives cheating themselves. Too many Christians waddle when they could fly. They sacrifice their eternal treasure, their eternal pleasure, for a little pleasure right now. What a cost. What a cost that is, because it's temporary. It's only for a season, he says. God wants to give you rewards that will last forevermore. You have the opportunity today and every day for the rest of your life, you'll have the opportunity to make that choice. You can go for pleasure, or you can go for pleasure. You just have to decide which one it will be. Will it be earthly? Will it be heavenly? Will it be temporary? Will it be eternal? What choice will you make today? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.